But last week we began a new message series titled, Become a Subscriber. And whether it's interacting with a, a friend's post on Facebook or signing up to get emails with coupons and special offers from your favorite places to shop or, or agreeing to get the latest news and information about your favorite organization like Golden Beach Community Church, we are constantly being offered opportunity to subscribe or to like or to follow or to share. And if you're like me, before you click that button, you, you ask yourself, am I really interested, right? What am I committing to? How many emails? Like I said, am I going to get phone calls and texts, all that? And, and, and I guess really the thing is, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? And as we consider our lives in this context, we realize that the things that we occupy our mind, the things that we are passionate about, and the things that we commit our time, talents, and treasures to, these are the things that we have subscribed to in our hearts. When Jesus was challenged with the question, what is the greatest commandment? He responded with these words. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we see that there are three parts. Love God, love others, and of course, don't forget to love yourself. And Jesus' own words are very clear. Loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind is the first and it's the greatest. But he says the second one is, is like it. Okay? And we can interpret that to mean it's similar, it's just as important, maybe at the same time. You know, the first is this. But don't let up on those others. And we so often forget self. I need to get along with others. I've got to love and accept others. Absolutely. But there's this part in the middle where you need to do that for yourself. And it is in this context of this greatest commandment that this message series uh, exists. And it's going to walk us through how we connect with God first. We did that last week. And then others and ourselves. And last week we considered our connection with God because it is the foundation for everything. This week, we are considering our connection to ourselves because we need to understand ourselves and see ourselves the way God does, with all the love, with all the hope, and with acceptance, and, and yes, despite our shortcomings. We need to do this first so we can see with unclouded, unprejudiced vision everyone, including ourselves, as God does. There was a, a really powerful part, several, of the movie Fireproof, if you've ever seen Fireproof. And it was kind of the aha moment at the end, and it's Caleb, um, and he's talking to his dad. He's just saying, I've done this work. I've tried so hard. I've tried so hard. I've done all these steps. I make her dinner. She throws it out. I bought her flowers. She threw them out. I, and, and he goes, I don't get it. How can I love someone so much and do all these things? And they just don't get how much I love them. In fact, they totally reject me. And of course, there's this aha moment as dad's leaning against the cross. He goes, you know, and he goes, that's not what it is. He goes, or is it not? Do you not, don't you need to know how much he loves you and feels that way for you before you can even turn and not only love him that way, but accept that sometimes you don't get that love back. And we need to keep that in context of ourselves too. So let's begin with this week's scripture, remember, that Al read this morning. It's from Psalm 139, 13, 14. This is the Psalm of David. Now we know the story of David all the way back to our VBS and Sunday school days, right? We hear the good parts, right? He was a favorite, he's a musician, he's a poet, loved God, great leader, fought Goliath, all this wonderful stuff. And then we see some darker sides, right? He cheated, right? He, he went after a, another man's wife. And then to cover up, he tried to have that man killed and, and all this stuff. And then and, and he went through this stuff. And then the really, the, a part of what we learn about Dave's story is God can use people who make bad choices and God can save people who make bad choices. And, and so we often get hung up saying, it's too late for me. I'm not good enough. I've already committed this or this. And then 
and I love David's perspective on this. And this is this week's scripture, remember, Psalm 139, 13 through 14, uh, out of the NIV. And it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So when we... I get that, okay. Um, so the, the Bible was written in three languages originally, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And this passage was originally recorded in Greek. And the words of this passage were spoken by David as he gave praise for what he knew to be true as he recognized himself as a creation of God. And when he talks about an inmost being, it's likely that he's referring to his conscience and his soul, not just the literal organs and tissue of his body. He's not saying, you know, my guts, but he you know that too, but he's saying in the part you created, my heart, my soul, all this stuff, my conscience, every bit of that. And God placed within you the deepest roots of what makes you unique and special, not only to the world, but to him. And when David talks about being fearfully and wonderfully made, remember that the verses that advise that we should fear the Lord aren't about being afraid of God, right? They're about reverence and respect. To say that you are fearfully and wonderfully made is to say that you are made with great thoughtfulness, with respect and distinguishment. There was divine and intelligent intention to the creation that is you. And David, with this awareness, he thanks God. He says he gave praise for this. Yet we tend to look upon these differences as deficiencies or with divisiveness. We tend to make comparisons. And we're going to dive a little deeper in this next week. But know that the uniqueness that is you is a special combination of passions and gifts and talents and abilities that may be greater in some areas than others but they are neither add nor detract from your value. As we look at the last line, I know that full well. We see that a different Hebrew word is used for the word I. The original word indicates that this is the inner true self that is understanding and accepting this truth. I know in my heart, I know in my soul, I know with every bit of my being that I am perfectly and purposely made by my God who loves me. And this is something we can all echo and, and claim for ourselves. This isn't just a scripture to become familiar with. These words need to become ones that you can speak with total boldness to, to understand and believe and accept this truth about yourself and to live your life in such a way that you have both contentment and confidence in who you are. And that's what it means to be a scriber to self. When we talk about building a strong relationship with yourself, it boils down to embracing God's perspective as our own. There was a, a message, it's been a couple years now, but it, I don't know, it keeps, it, it's, people keep pulling back this, which tells me there's still something that we as, as people struggle with, and it's reflected in truth, right? And there's two parts of this reflected in truth. We can look at ourselves, the first thing is, right, look at ourselves. Look at ourselves as God looks at us. And you can look at that, and that emboldens you. I'm unique, and God created me, and, and has wonderful purpose. Or you can look at it, and, and you need to be humbled just a bit, Right? But the world tells us that a healthy self-concept uh, is important. In fact, society has become increasingly aware of all these aspects of one's health. Physical health, we've done that for, for years, right? Diet, exercise, sleep. Now, and then mental health. And now we're talking about emotional health. 
But what it doesn't tell you is that God's perspective should be the basis for the concept of what is healthy, what is good and natural. And this may be, and often it is, different from what society accepts as normal. Anything can become normal. It doesn't mean that it is good or right or appropriate. And the Apostle Paul warns in Romans 12, too, it says, Do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by the testing they may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So hold up against your life and and your choices and and everything else that's going on around you to what God says is good and right. I had a a really interesting week. Um, You guys know I I lead a a nonprofit, and the majority of the nonprofit is um, immigrants and, and refugees. In fact... The majority of the people in that room speak a language other than English. There are some that do not speak English. And, and there are several of them are families. In fact, there are three sisters from northern Afghanistan, and there are two sisters and a mother from southern Afghanistan. And not only is the language slightly different, but there's a lot of culture, even though they're all Muslim. Um, and it's really interesting to have these conversations. You know, they celebrated Eid a couple weeks ago. And we don't celebrate that, but that was the celebration of Abraham being told to, you know, uh, offer a sacrifice of a son, and that stopped that. And that was, you know, something that they recognize as a religious holiday. And in this group, generally speaking, because of the nature of our work, and there are some cultural differences, and like I said, five or six languages, they tend to get along really well. But something broke last week, and it wasn't just the air conditioning. That probably is part of the problem, but. But people were starting to get a little sideways with each other, okay? Now you're involving personalities, and you're involving cultures, and you're involving this stuff. And, and I remember hearing them talk. Their English is, is just okay, and I didn't want to bring in one of the other ladies to translate because I didn't want other people in this conversation. But they did real well with it. And I remember one of them was accusing the other one of saying something. And I didn't understand the word, but whatever it was, was the worst thing you could imagine. I mean, shoot, they were shocked. And they were upset and hurt because they were talking behind, they felt like someone was talking behind their back. And I'm sitting there going, this is like every day in high school, right? I mean, we forget culturally what some norms of behavior, and and this was huge. This was catastrophic to their relationships that someone, you know, through perception might have spoken behind the back. So there's just an example of how we kind of conform the world. That's just... Normal, that's just cattiness, right? That's what happens when you put two or more people together. But the Bible says that's not how it's supposed to be. So the best way to discern a purpose or intent is to ask the creator, right? There's a a story like if you want to know the purpose for an invention, you don't ask the invention, you ask the person who invented it. So how do we ask God, what is the purpose, the meaning behind this? And, And we do that through prayer and study. We say, God, would you reveal? God, would you... Show me through your word. What's the purpose? What is it? And, you know, we, we watched that God's chisel thing, and there's kind of a little skit, and he said, how do I know you're God? And he goes, well, how do you know I'm not? And he said, you answer everything with a question. That's how I know you're God, right? And sometimes we don't get the straight answer that we, we kind of hope for or expect out of God or certainly the timing. So we study. We ask God to reveal to us through prayer and his word, what is it that I need to learn here? And as we understand on deeper levels the nature of God, we can become we can more appropriately understand his intents and purposes. I saw how he worked with David. I know that he loves me, and despite my mistakes, he's going to use me for some good and maybe develop some really good character. 
I saw the faithfulness of this person or the struggles of that person. And, and in thousands of years of human history, we are not the first. You are not the first to experience this specific problem. And, and God has revealed through his nature and his character what he does in those situations. A major cause of our per, interpersonal relationships uh, problems is, is our tendency or perhaps it's our inability or unwillingness to discern someone else's intent. Right? We think we can. We can read their mind, right? Um, but we tend to judge others by their actions and their words. You did this, you said this. But if someone else judges by our intentions or words, what's the first thing we say? I didn't mean it. That wasn't my intent. We judge others by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intent. Okay? We need to know God's intent. What's your intent in the trial, the struggles? What's your intent in the goodness and the blessing and the purpose? And understanding how God sees us by saying, what is your intent in creating me and you and you and you? What, what is the value? Uh, and what's our value to him? And, and he equipped us to this abundant life and with all of the purpose and joy and fulfillment that we were created to experience. You know, what does that look like? We so often want the checklist, the, the box, the clear under the thought, but sometimes God doesn't work that way. So we're going to take some time this morning to consider some practical steps we can take to develop a healthy self-concept in the view of, of God's perspective. We're going to ask God to reveal his nature and intent as we read his word and consider some examples from the people it describes. And it begins by recognizing God as creator and that this creation is good and intelligent and purposeful. We are told that the creator of the universe also created you and your special place in it. Think about that for a minute. Just stand in the vastness of the ocean and look out and go, you know, how big. God created, intelligently created the universe and he cared about you. And he created you for a moment of time in this great plan. We then can recognize that he has a good purpose, a good plan for us in this good creation. And this is the true definition of good, God's definition of good, right? God created an ideal creation, right? We describe it as the Garden of Eden. And he, just, he created the perfect people to live in it who enjoyed it and, and walking literally and talking to him alongside him and enjoying the work of the creation, right? And then what happened? We happened, right? Our, our humanity showed, and this is that double-edged sword of free will, Right? This isn't the teacher saying, good morning, class, and we just spit out, good morning. I love you, child. Love you, God. I mean, he wants you to choose. And we have the option, the ability to choose otherwise. And that has happened almost since the beginning of time. It didn't get very far from Adam and Eve before there was infighting and murder and jealousy. Right? And so a lot of where we're at now is the byproduct of, of free will. So to minimize this difference and avoid a conflict with God's work in the world, we should embrace God's plan for our lives, a plan that gives us hope and a future. You know, the Bible often says things like, take courage, right? It doesn't just say be courageous. It says take courage. And I, I liken that to a rainy day, taking an umbrella or a jacket because it's going to be cold. You have it. You, you need to take it. You need to put it on. So. God has given you everything you need to be courageous in this life, in this world. So take that with you. We call that faith. You can say things like, I'm courageous and I'm, I'm confident because my life has meaning and purpose. Even if I haven't quite figured out what that is yet. 
I don't have to fully understand or explain it in order for it to be true. Think about that. I don't have to fully understand what my purpose is or be able to explain it to anybody else in order for that to be true. Perhaps this is our hang-up when we struggle with accepting a value, right? We rely on and value others' opinions. Am I, am I a good person? We think that we should have an answer that may not be ours to have, right? Why does this happen? I don't know. I may never know. We focus on what we perceive as shortcomings and failures instead of the view of them as punishment. And we view them as punishment or disappointment or failure instead of what they truly are. I mean, some of these are refining steps. We saw that video in God's chisel, right? Little pain is God's chiseling the junk away to get down to what he really created. God sees you as what he created and what the end product's going to be. We focus so often on the, the mistakes and the, the, the work, the refining process along the way, but he sees in you good. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we receive instructions to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, this isn't just by way of temptation. That's really easy to say, but, but everything, the questions. And, and I have a group of guys I breakfast with once a week, and we use these accountability questions, these 10 questions that kind of keep us on track and let us know how we're doing, right? And these are based on Scripture, not on, on the world. And I mean, one of those is, do you capture your thought? What does it mean to capture your thought? But I, and you, we've built, you, you get upset. I'm jealous, I'm angry, I'm whatever it may be, you're lust, whatever it may be. And you get so beat up on yourself, right? I should have done that better, I shouldn't have thought that. But he says, capture your thought. So capture your next thought, or your third, or your fourth, right? And by aligning your thoughts with God's truth, you can overcome self-doubt and embrace a healthy self-concept. And you can, we'll, next week we'll turn in and look at the others the same way. And the truth is that we live in a fallen world. It started up here, and then, well, we, we happened to it, like you said, right? People happen. Still, God pursues us relentlessly. To that point, he did something amazing, and he did some amazing things to persevere, to prever- preserve the hope of our relationship. He sent his son. He forgave and forgave and forgave, and he rescued, and he taught lessons, and he provided, and he does this, not only through Scripture, but in today, today. And Romans 5, 8 reminds us that God demonstrated his love for us by sending his son to die for us while we were still sinners. We don't come to church after we've got it all figured out. We come to church because we're all figuring it out. Sort of together, sort of the same direction, different places, right? It's like our offering. I'm in a, I'm in a place where I can give. I'm in a place where I need to receive. I'm in a strong place in my faith. I can be here and encouraging or I really need the support of this group right now. We're just doing life. We have what I call aha moments, right? You, a lot of times I have them when I read a scripture and I find out I read here and I should have read a little further or I should have done a little more study. But one I have is Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. Can we pull that up? Okay, I'm going to read 3 through 6. This is from the NIV. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, this is Paul. He's writing letters, so who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So that's the greeting. He says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. Even at first pass, that sounds incredibly uplifting, right? But as you start 
drilling down into the words. Right? Praise be to God who blessed us in heaven with every spiritual blessing. He chose us in him. The God knows all, sees all, can do whatever he wants. He intentionally chose us, each one of us. Before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless, you were created to be this way. In love, he predestined us for adoption. Now, this word adoption, if you go in and study the culture of the time, when you were adopted, you were given full rights, privileges, and, and error, right, to whatever it was. If you were adopted to sonship, let's not get hung up on the gender words, but you get hung, you were adopted to a sonship, here's what happened. Here's what happened. You were and always have been that child with full rights and privileges and all that. You were the heir of whatever it was and, and that family name and all this. And so this was a strong word. In love, he predestined you to be fully adopted, fully, and you were always his child through Jesus Christ in accordance with, again, his pleasure and his will. He chose this to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given. And there's a whole series of these, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 which is what I just read, but I don't remember which one this is. But, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There it is again. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Sorry, I'll have to find what verse. I kind of paste that wrong there. Romans 8, 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back in your fear, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. These are powerful, powerful promises of acceptance and love. Read through the letters of the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans and you will find reminder after reminder of the power of God's love as demonstrated through his grace and hope. There is not a single reason any one of us should have any misgivings or fear of failure or love or distrust for ourselves. This is how God sees us and wants us to see ourselves. So friends, if I may say brothers and sisters, we need to understand our identity as his beloved children. And like a good father, God, God loves all of his children equally and not identically. I don't say but not identically because I don't want to take away from the first part of that statement. God loves all his children equally and not identically. He has given each one of us and everyone that we know gifts and a purpose equally, but not and not identically. So I want you to encourage you to, to discover and use your God-given gifts and talents. And some of these may be practical things. I'm really good at music or talking or singing or whatever it may be, but there are other gifts that are very quiet. A gift of a servant heart, right? a gift of, of discernment and wisdom. And, and there are so many of these wonderful gifts that he's given us, again, equally distributed, equally distributed them, but not identical. And that's what makes coming together as a congregation, as, as families, as coworkers, as a community so awesome. So I want to encourage you to discover your talents and, and use them. Recognizing the unique gifts and talents bestowed by God and, and ask him, to reveal them to you or ask a trusted friend, you know, because sometimes you, you know that you'll, someone will have a great idea. You know, you know, I see that about you. I would love to, I, you know, that is the perfect thing for you. God wires us and gives us these special gifts and tools and, and our friends and our family, they can see that in us as well. 
And there's some practical assessments too, literally questionnaires you can fill out and helps you understand maybe some of the things that you're uniquely gifted towards. And 1 Peter 4.10 highlights that each one of us has received a gift from God. It's, it's a promise. Even if someone says, I don't believe in God, God does not, does not mean God doesn't exist. It doesn't mean God did not give them gifts and love and all this. We, we must acknowledge and appreciate the specific abilities and talents God has given us and then use them for his glory. And then the next step is put into action, right? This is, this is the thing we struggle with as humans. I have a great idea. I, I ask this all the time at work. Three frogs are on a log. One says, I'm going to jump. How many are left? Three. 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 Right? God's given these wonderful gifts. Now what? Go. He says, go. Go. And a lot of times he'll say, as you go. Right? So he's not just saying, go over there and do, but as you go. So along the way, tell, 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 do, do. Right? So use your gifts as you go about the world. And this is the encouragement of Romans 12, 6, 8. It says, when you align your talents with God's purposes... You experience fulfillment and contribute to the building of God's kingdom. Now combine that with a complementary, not competition, but complementary, right? Going together, equal, not identical, gifts of others. And watch what happens in the world with even a group this size going out and doing our individual part and watching what he does. But what if you feel too far away from this purpose? And we all do from time to time. I pray that's no one today, but... But that is life. Sometimes we feel like I just don't know what it is or I know what it is, but I'm so far removed from that. If you think it's too late or that you've already squandered this gift, I want to share with you a message of truth that the promises is not too late and that there's no better time than now to start. And we, we need to address this now because I don't want you to waste one more second of enjoying the life God wants for you. Before you subscribe, before you sign up or commit to something, you, you should know a little something about it. Do you know yourself? Do you like what you see? Are you seeing it accurately? You know, sometimes, often there are parts of our lives that we aren't so proud about. We like to hide those, but those are things that God says bring to the light. You think you're hiding anything? Do I think I'm hiding anything from God by not admitting that I get angry or loud or what else do I do? That's a joke. (laughs) Rhetorical. A little unnerved that you move so quickly. <laughs> but right, we do. We have these, and, and I'm not fooling God by saying, maybe he didn't notice that I did a little road ragey the other day, you know, or whatever that may be. He knows. You're not doing anything good by that. So, so this again, Psalm of David, 119.59. It says, I've considered my ways, and I've turned my steps toward your statutes. And I guarantee that conversation happened more than once for David. It's going to have to happen more than once for us. I've considered my ways this day, this week, this month. And I've turned my steps towards your statutes. Lamentations 340. Let us examine our ways and test them. And let us return to the Lord. He doesn't say, and if we need to. It's like, look, if we look at ourselves, we're going to have to do some realignment. Job 13.23. How many wrongs and sins have I committed Show me my offense and my sin. Ask God to reveal those to you. These are those risky prayers, right? Risky prayers. You remember that God's chisel. Show me what it is that needs to be refined. Okay, be prepared for an uncomfortable revelation, but it gets better. 2 Corinthians 13, 5a, Paul. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? You've got the answer to the test. It's a test that everybody wants you to pass. 
So if this is something you're struggling with, I want to invite you to pray. You know, I'm, going to, I'm just going to pause and pray right now. Would you just join me? Heavenly Father, even in a room this size, there are many of us who may be struggling with certain parts of our lives where we look at ourselves a little differently than you want us to look at. Lord, would you do two things? Would you encourage us and embolden us to see us as you do with all the love, value, and purpose, but at the same time, not to put a blind eye on the things that still need refinement. Lord, you, you convict us. You say this needs some work or this needs you know, to be turned away from, but you don't condemn us. There are bad choices, but not bad people. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, if, if, if this message needs to be heard specifically from you later, Lord, would you move on our hearts later today as we continue to seek you and point those out? Amen. It felt like we needed a pause because that's, that's too big of a deal for us not to, to recognize that, that life's hard and we need God. And when you do that, then we can look at like 1 John 3.20. It says, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. Certainly greater than the world. We're already saying victory for Jesus. We know Jesus overcame the world and he knows everything. So dear friends, the God that knows you, who knows everything, if he doesn't condemn you, then why should anything else? We should have total confidence before God and come to him in prayer, not shying away, you know, saying I'm not worthy. Because I know you're not, but that's okay. I've made you worthy. Victory in Jesus. And then now we allow the transformation through Christ, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 assures us that in Christ, we are new creations. We've heard this. So embracing our identity in Christ enables us to let go of our insecurities and live with confidence and purpose. And we embrace God's forgiveness. He says, when you confess your sins, I will. That's the promise. When you do this, I will. There's no ambiguity about that. So why can I not forgive myself? And then walk in freedom of not being condemned. Romans 8.1 declares, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not condemned. Surrender to God's grace and forgiveness and allows you to let go of self-condemnation and embrace the abundant life God has for you. So what is a life that's, that's liked and shared and subscribed by yourself? I'll tell you what's not. It's not an expectation of perfection. It's not thinking that there won't be troubles and struggles along the way. It's not that there won't be temptation and it's not gonna be easy. It's not that there's no work required, but what it does mean is seeing and accepting yourself as God created you to be. Understanding and accepting the value that you have. Remember you were adopted, you were chosen. And then committing to what's good Paul in his letter to Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. I think he would have made a good lawyer. Right? He's like, removes all the loopholes, right? Whatever. He doesn't just say everything. Think about, he says, goes to this, he says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And by acknowledging God as creator and then recognizing our identity as a part of that creation, just like David did, we can begin to apply the concepts we learned from reading scripture last week about our relationship with him. So friends, you've been created and equipped for an abundant life, complete with purpose, joy, and fulfillment. You have been given and promised everything you need to just have an awesome life. And by recognizing God's design and purpose in creating you, embracing his unconditional love and acceptance, overcoming that negative self-talk that we, we have, Practicing self-care and self-compassion. 
discovering and utilizing our God-given gifts and, and surrendering God's grace and forgiveness, you will develop and maintain a healthy self-concept and a relationship with yourself. So may we continually grow in our understanding of how God sees us. And may we embrace our true identity, which is in Christ, and live out the abundant life he has prepared for us. I want to make that our prayer. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, life is tough. You promised that. You've also promised that you're with us. And Lord, it's so easy to feel <coughs> neglected, overlooked by you. Sometimes it feels so easy to, to look at our other people and, and judge by their actions, but not their intent. And we look at ourselves and we judge by our intent because we know what we've meant. And sometimes what we meant to do is not the right thing either. So Lord, would you help us to look at ourselves the way you look at us with purpose and value and, and love and acceptance. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the promise that if and when we make these choices to realign ourselves, to just simply turn towards you, you are there, our open arms, because you are following us purposely, pursuing us every day of our life. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the opportunity to come here and, and praise and worship you alongside each other. And wherever we find ourselves in this spectrum today, fully courageous and emboldened or just really feeling like not so good about ourselves. May we leave here with a true reflection of who we are. A chosen, adopted, well-designed, fully equipped, with high hopes, purpose, and value child of yours. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.